Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. Time for another episode of The Wellness Collective and this one, the special guest is Dr Nat Kringudis. Oh, go on. Does anyone call you that? Never. Really? I'm going to start. No, because you've got to technically say doctor, doctor of Chinese Nat medicine, Udis, doctor of Chinese medicine. Oh, because it's a different sort of doctor. As my husband says, I am the pretend doctor. Oh. <laughs> Even though I went to uni for ten and a half years, mm. I am still pretending over here. Thanks for your support, well, Daddy K. Yeah, but it is quite interesting because there's, mm. you know, doctor. The title doctor can be lots of different things. But anyway, you know what? We uh, um, have an episode where we talk to Peter Madison from Grand Designs Australia. Mm-hmm. I think he got an honorary doctorate. Yeah, see? But so, I'm going to go back. I'm yeah. going to go back and do some post-grad study mm. and I'm going to like... Okay. So yeah. then we will definitely call you doctor. Yeah. Then you might be able to call me doctor, doctor. Okay. I'm going to call you unofficial doctor of the podcast because today you are the expert. It's you and me, baby, and we are talking hormones because that is your actual thing. That's my jam. Uh-huh. That wasn't my choice, but it's my jam. It's, it's funny how these things can choose you. I know, right? Really? I, I was actually very profound in saying I never want to treat women health. Really? Yeah. I was like, these women are nuts. Doth protest too much, well, it would appear. I know, right? Yeah. No, I did. I remember saying I had a business partner at the time and I mm. said to her, mark my words, mm. I do not want to treat women's health. They are crazy. Those hormonal ladies are uh-huh. crazy. Yep. Um, and here we are. But then all of a sudden you, actually, <laughs> you found the key to the well, crazy. I think the problem was that the crazies, no offence to them because they knew that they were crazy at the time, they were like, I feel crazy, mm. were knocking on the door and no one had answers and, you know, everything that we ever learnt 13 years ago at this point, more than 13, sorry, 20 years ago, yep. a lot of it wasn't relevant to modern day illness yeah, okay. and hormone imbalance and yep. a lot of the imbalances that we see are very much a result of our modern lifestyle. So what you really are is a jigsaw puzzle putter together. I am. I am. And this is the first time I'm putting this out there. But I am a little bit intuitive in how I treat. Yeah. So I don't don't claim to be an intuitive, not by any means, but I can often see what's wrong. And if you ask me why, I don't know. I just can go, yeah, that's what that is. Okay. So you're not going to dress in... um, No. (laughs) Crushed velvet and read people's aura when they... uh, (laughs) No, not at all. We've just got a gaggle of kids that are outside the uh, the door, which you can't see, but it's very nice. (laughs) Nice to know that while we're talking about female hormones, they're learning all about... Radio. Radio. How exciting. Great. Anyway. Yeah, so, so, no, I can often see um, what needs to be done to treat somebody. Yeah, right. I don't know. And and my staff will sometimes say, well, can you tell me how? Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, I don't really know. Hormone whisperer. Well, I don't know. I think also you see enough people with the same problems, you can kind of Mm -hmm. look at them and go, hmm, this is where we need to start. Yep. And I think that's the, the, the... biggest um, factor in treating anything, but especially hormone imbalances, working out where to start because there's lots of pieces of the jigsaw puzzle that need to fit together. I still think, though, meeting you was like a revolutionary moment in my life from the point of view that I'd never really thought about treating the cause of something before. That idea that if there's something wrong in, well, in anything really, but particularly with your health, Mm -hmm. then the best thing to do is to go back to basics and reassess what's going on and look at why something is happening rather than just treating the symptoms and then trying to get on with things. Well, I think the problem with treating the symptoms is, A, it doesn't 
A, it doesn't treat the problem, mm. um, but B, you can very often find yourself just chasing your tail and add, having to add more and more and more because it never actually yep. gets to the, the root of the issue. Um, don't get me wrong, treating symptoms initially if someone's in debilitating pain oh, yeah. or uh, feeling like they want to um, just, you know, crawl under a blanket and stay there, um, that's important to treat that as well. But how can we also look at what else is going on? I'm actually going through that at the moment. I... Um have uh, <laughs> pain in like my left sciatica and I've had it for ages and I reckon a big part of it is from carrying babies slash giant babies around on my hip, on the opposite hip. And I've been to the physio and I've been to the myotherapist and I've over the years, but it's flared up quite a bit lately. <laughs> I love that we can talk about it. I am. It's just hilarious. Yeah. So I just ignored it, ignored it, ignored it and was like, nah, it'll go away. Of course it didn't. And the other day I was on all fours on the ground playing like oh, with the kids. Yeah. I'm not doing anything weird. No, I thought you were about to say I was on all fours because I was in so much pain. That's oh, why I made well, that look on my face. I was like, what? She did. She had like big eyes like, then. Oh What's heavens. going on? Big, big eyes. <laughs> That's standard. But anyway, yes. <laughs> so I went to stand up and bing, it was like this sharp pain oh, in my back. Just sh- And I went, okay. And my husband said, you actually have to do something. Yes. Stop pretending it isn't happening. So I went to the physio and I walk in and I said, okay, this is what's happening. Um, you know, I need you to treat me so I can get back up moving. He said, well, you need to do Pilates, you need to do spiky ball. And this is a really common problem for middle-aged women. Um, sorry. <laughs> That's what he said to me. <laughs> um, I said, you're like, and I'm not coming back. It was so funny. How I old was said, he? I oh, was probably about 28. I oh. said, you should have just no, said, that's how long have you been doing me. this for? That's not me. Three minutes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no, no. No, no, I'm not middle-aged. I'm not quite sure who you'd be referring to, <laughs> technically. I'm possibly on the cusp. But anyway, it was very funny. You, don't, I was you like, just don't say that. No, you don't say that. No, mate. Oh, so You need to give him a course in bedside manners, I, I reckon. I think so. so Even when, if you were 60, you still don't say, oh, that's I what know. happens when you're an old fart. Like... <laughs> No. Classic. So I walked around with that label in my mind for a few days. So I am massive on languaging when it comes to patients. Yeah. Like it's one of the things that I train all my staff as much as I can. Is that a word? Did you make that word up or is that languaging? Yeah. It sounds good to me. It's good. Um, Well, the types of language that we use and the types of reinforcement that we use with our patients. Good languaging. Because really the... The majority of the treatment is how much you trust your practitioner. Mm-hmm. Yep. How much a practitioner can enrol you and help have you on board. If you understand what you're doing and why, yeah. you're more likely to do it. Oh, of course. And if you feel if like you're got, being listened to. Absolutely. If you've got no idea, but mm. how many times have you been home from the doctor mm. and your partner says, What did they say? And you're like, I don't really know. <laughs> like I don't really understand. Yeah. Um, but I have to go back for this or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then we start to Google and then that's a disaster no, that's, as well. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a, what do they call it? Uh, Dr. Google. Yeah, like it's a, it's like Alice in Wonderland falling down the hole. And everything leads to cancer. Mm. And, you know, it can be useful, obviously, if you've got a, yeah. if you're worried about something, but go and get it checked out. Don't trust Google. Uh, yeah. Unless it's natcringudis.com. You can go to that. <laughs> <laughs> Only if it's a reputable source, exactly. Well, I make sure that it's... I've spent a lot of time on there making sure that's all up to date. But yeah. I think um, it is, yeah, it's particularly interesting that I think the way that we talk, um, not just to our patients but to each other, I think yeah. is extremely important in the outcome that you're trying to achieve. And uh, one thing I'm really good at is talking. So mm-hmm. I think that that's part of why 
um, we get great success um, is, is part of it is enrolling the patient and talking to them in a nice way. Well, funny you should say that because my follow-up from going and being told I was middle-aged was uh, that I went back to see a myotherapist who, hi, Brian, I have been seeing for years, but I haven't seen him for years, but Back before I had kids, I lived kind of on the other Brian side of town. Brian doesn't call you middle-aged, does he? He doesn't call me middle-aged, no. no. But he's very funny and he tells me jokes uh, while he's inflicting pain. But it's so good ah. because we have this hilarious conversation <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, I didn't walk away feeling like I was uh, <laughs> over the hill. No, well. I felt good about myself and he actually made my back feel a lot better. But and then I had another experience where my kids were sick and I rang the doctor just to ask whether I should take them down because mm-hmm. it was a breathing thing. And I spoke to a nurse and then she... I ended up bursting into tears Aww. on the phone. This is a couple of weeks ago yeah. because... I was so tired. I'd mm. had sick kids like every night for mm-hmm. seven days or whatever. It's like having a newborn baby mm-hmm. again, exhausting. And um, and I had been managing it and because it's been an ongoing thing, I knew what I was doing but the way she spoke to me, it was like I had no idea. And so this languaging idea that you're talking about is so important. So important. Yeah. Because Absolutely. I, I just cracked it. I was like, you, you were speaking to me like I'm an idiot and I burst into tears. And she was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, well, don't assume people don't know about their own well, especially health. Especially if you've got two children as well. Like, come on. I've <laughs> been through a few oh things. Oh, my heavens, yes. Now, the reason that we are talking to you today is our special guest. I love <laughs> you being my co-host and my special yep. guest. I feel I'm like I've a got... a woman of many talents. And I've got all the power. <laughs> um, no, I... I asked you if we could talk about PCOS for this particular episode because we've been doing podcasts together now for a couple of years Mm -hmm. and there have been a few on hormones. Uh, Yes. But I feel like... This is still, is still one of those things that is territory, and and it's a massive thing for so many women in our community, mm-hmm. uh, and it affects their lives so dramatically on mm. so many levels. But so let's talk about PCOS sure. today. So let's start by um, expanding the acronym, shall we? Well, yes, PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. I think where it probably, that <laughs> its downfall in the name is that it's not cysts on your ovaries, it's follicles or, mm. you know, what we would, layman's term would call eggs. Yeah, right, that because that's exactly the thing. You think polycystic ovaries, okay, well, there's something wrong with my ovaries. Right. and there is still something wrong with your ovaries, but um, they're not cysts as They're not they're just, lumpy. N- well, they probably look <laughs> like, you know, I put it on Instagram once that, you know, <laughs> they don't look like this at all, actually, but... Um, you know, before you flip a pancake and there's all bubbles oh, on Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When it's a crumpet. Correct. Um, but it is, you know, if there's several things that occur, the, one of the main things that's looked for is if there are multiple um, follicles, more than 12 usually, sitting on um, the ovary at right. any one time. And some women can have up to 30 or 40 or, you know. But when you say that, does that mean that they're all sitting there waiting to pop to make a baby? Well, like what, what happens at ovulation if those... you've got 12 sitting on your ovary ready to go? Yeah, so there's there's the act of ovulation is instigated via hormones, but though the, each of those follicles also um, are responsible for releasing hormones, so it keeps this body in oh, sort of. Right. There's other factors. That's not actually the the main or one of. It's one of yep. the factors, but. Um, Really, what the reason that you would have multiple um, 
follicles is actually because there's typically too much male hormone in the body, so high androgen levels. So when someone's diagnosed with PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, they need to do a, a blood test to confirm where their hormone levels are at. And this is when they can often see that they've got high mm-hmm. um, levels of androgen. Um, they need to have a, an ultrasound to um, confirm that they have obviously these multiple follicles. Yep. And they also need to have um, irregular, will typically have irregular or missing menstrual cycles. Oh, okay. So you need to have at least two of those criteria um, to be able to be diagnosed. And then from there, um, things have changed a lot um, because we now categorise PCOS. So once upon a time, you had one, you had those symptoms um, and that was pretty much it. We've now found that there are different scenarios. Some women can have PCOS, but they ovulate and they get a period regularly, but they have, you know, still have the other factors that are involved, yep. um, multiple follicles and high levels of androgens. Um and or variations of that. So it, it there's there's different phenotypes now, which is great because you can actually then be treated for exactly how you're presenting. And this is new research that's actually coming out of Australia. So it's really exciting. But yeah. really what what's really happening, and there are, like I said, there's various factors that contribute to PCOS, but we see these the higher levels of androgens because um, when one of the main things behind PCOS is insulin resistance. So mm-hmm. your body becomes resistant, and you, you know when we eat certain foods, you know we release insulin, um, and that is one way that your cells st- basically st- store energy. Yeah. Um, now, if that insulin can't be that vehicle and get into the cells, it starts to build up outside the cells, and when we've got a lot of that sitting outside of the cells, it will stimulate the ovaries to make more testosterone. Oh Which God. this is why we start to see these other signs and symptoms. So it, there's a few there's a few different. It's not just the like that's what I was trying to say before. It's not just the follicles sitting mm. on the ovaries. It's actually there's there's a reason behind that. Right. And this is what we're coming back to that root cause again. Well, but why? And then even but why is the body insulin resistant? But yeah. why is you know and coming back is it chicken and egg? Like which well, no, which it, one causes? I'm going to say to you. I reckon you can probably guess why we have many women have PCOS and where the core of that is at. Gut. gut, gut. So gut health for a lot of women. Now, again, it, 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 there's that, one step before that, and that's our genetics. So our genes dictate. Hang on, before you move on, yeah. With your gut health, does mm-hmm. that mean that you're not? It's your gut that's having trouble processing the insulin. No, it means that you probably got some type of inflammation, or yep. we consider it. It's not really autoimmune, but it mimics autoimmune. Mm-hmm. Some people might say that think that it is, or call it that. Some some specialists might say that. Um, it's a very new area. Oh yeah. Um, although PCOS has been said to be around for all of time, and I'll tell you why soon. Um, but. Um, no, if there's inflammation in the body, then this is what can trigger um, these other knock-on effects to happen. So uh, coming back to the gut being the core mm-hmm. of that, yep. um, this is why diet becomes a really big factor for women with PCOS. And most medical professionals will say, you have PCOS, you've really got to watch your diet. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely the core of that is the gut. But like I said, your genes dictate um, what you're dealt. So you know, if you're predisposed to PCOS... Think of yourself like a petri dish. Yeah. The environment that you put that petri dish in will determine the what grows or what doesn't. Um, and your body's exactly the same. So, you know, our environment, our diet, our lifestyle, our emotions, our stress, our detoxability, our inflammation levels um, all contribute to turning on or off that within a, a woman's body. So. Mm. 
you know, just because you're predisposed doesn't mean you have to have PCOS. Yep. But if you do the wrong thing, then more than likely that's going to be turned on. It's going to feed it. Mm. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, um, I want to talk to you about actually going back to the basics of, well, how do you even know you've got it? Sure. This Wellness Collective episode, it's just, well, it's just the two of us. Mm-hmm. But just it's nice. The two of us. Because actually, it's really just me and my expert, which is you. <laughs> <laughs> and that worked out well. So, we're talking about PCOS today. And um, the reason we're talking about it is it's such a big, big area of hormonal kind of disruption, isn't it, for women mm-hmm. um, everywhere. Hmm. And it can affect so much of your life. Now, let's go back to basics. So how do I even know I've got PCOS? Like what is it? So, I mean, common symptoms of PCOS, and this is the thing too that is really tricky, is that especially for young women, it takes time for our hormones to balance. So often young women are diagnosed with PCOS when they might not actually have PCOS. Okay. It's just that their hormones haven't actually found their groove yet. And there is a, it's said that around 16 years of age, most women go through a phase that mimics PCOS that's very normal. And this is often a time when we're taken off to the doctor because we have irregular cycles, but actually it's just your body finding its own way with its yeah. hormones. So. I think that's a really interesting um, piece know. of information to put out there for mothers, yes. especially that really you're not going to necessarily see regular menstrual cycles until 18 and over, and that's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so these symptoms can be things that often mimic, um, like I said, if you've got higher levels of testosterone, let's say, in the body, you're going to see things like facial hair or hair loss mm-hmm. on the top of the head. Um Acne, weight gain, irritability, anxiety, um, missing periods. Um, you can see hair on the chest or breasts as well. Okay. Um, they're fairly standout symptoms. Well, that's a good one because, mm. I mean, the rest of them you can sort of go, well, that could be this, that or the other. Yes. But the hair, that's yes. not so common. So that's, no, and that's definitely a, a um, an indication that you at least have more mm. testosterone than maybe what you should. Yep. Um, and you might not have PCOS, but you might have you might have more hair. The tricky part with hair is some people are just naturally more oh, hairy. I was going to say, I've got like fluffer on my chin. Yeah, like some I'm people just under are. Under my ears. And it's working out whether or not um, <laughs> that's how you are or whether, yeah. So it's generally that, you know, darker, mm. um, very obvious hair growth. And yep. you might have seen people before yeah. that have that and you're like, hmm, mm. there's a lot of hair. Well, that's why. Um, so, so you should just go and tap them on the shoulder and say, ever thought maybe you've got PCOS? Well, I do often <laughs> say to my husband when we're walking through the supermarket, I need to treat her ovaries. <laughs> um, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but, I, you know, it, the symptoms are you fairly obvious. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you walk along with your business cards just ready no, to... No, I never, you know me, I, I know, never I'm have joking. a I never have a business card on me ever. Yeah, let alone um, when you're going is, through woolies. No, no, totally. Yeah. Hilarious. Okay, so... So that's really good, having that list of symptoms. Because, yeah, they're the main symptoms. Mm. Um, you know, there can be others and there's often a lot of inflammation and pain for women that have PCOS, um, especially through the lower abdomen. Yep. They might have, you know, that real, um, you know, pain, bloating, those sorts of things as well. Is it related to things like infertility and endometriosis um, particularly so, or is it like a separate kind of set of hormonal issues? PCOS and endometriosis are 
often women both have both, yep. but they're not necessarily okay, related. Not yep. No. Um, endometriosis is when you get, you know, yeah. um, tissue growing in places it's not supposed to that mimics your, um, your um, that, that that's within the uterus. So, you know, so it wants to bleed. Everywhere. It wants to bleed when you bleed and that can be extremely painful, cause a lot of scarring and, um, and have lots of other um, ramifications. But sometimes you do see women that have both. Yep. Um, and but the treatment doesn't really kind of it doesn't really change um, in terms of what you need to do to balance your hormones and get them back on track. So, yep. um, yeah, it's just a matter of working out. There's sort of five or six factors that are really important in treating hormone imbalance, and where I think the key lies is working out, like I said before, where to start. What's the most um, logical way? How can we get someone to have um, quick results so that they stay on track? Because it, it's Unfortunately, if you are predisposed to this, it's a lifestyle change. And oh, that's where absolutely. it can be a challenge is do I have to do this for the rest of my life? Um, and, uh, yeah, if you are genetically predisposed, these women know that if they clean their diet up, they, they tick all of the boxes, they feel better the minute they stop doing that. They yeah. don't. And But, you know, it can be hard. That's right. It's yeah. about balance. Mm. So, but in terms of fertility, um, we know that PCOS can impact a woman's fertility. It doesn't have to. Um, but the challenge is that often these women are um, either not ovulating or they ovulate sporadically. Yeah. And if you're only ovulating twice a year, it can be pretty impossible to work out when that might be, especially if you're trying to have a baby. It's not the, the PCOS, PCOS so much that necessarily... Um, impacts your fertility. It's more about timing and working out mm. when that is. Um, that said, though, um, if there's a lot of inflammation and um, your hormones are imbalanced, yes, we need to balance those for you to be more fertile. So um, it's not that a woman with PCOS can't fall pregnant. It's that there are some challenges that need to be addressed to allow them to fall pregnant if they haven't been looked at before. I think the thing that's so hard about hormones, and different for you, because like you say, you can identify straight up when you see someone that, you know, potentially this is out of balance or what mm. have you. But for the rest of us, it's kind of intangible. You know, like you might say, oh, well, you've got, you. I can tell you've got extra testosterone. And I might say, okay. Like it's not like having a broken arm where you can go, all right, well, I can see, I can fix that. You know, it's it's very... It's all about feel and trust to some degree. I think if you can see the evidence of the problem... Yeah. ...then you can at least start to make some changes and see what your body does in terms of how it responds oh, to know that you're on the right, tra- right track. Yeah, of course. Um, and so I guess that I think that's, you know, definitely how I keep my patients focused and on track is saying, all right, well, we're going to start, say we're going to start with liver detoxification. I think that's yep. really important. Um, and we start with that and always gut health at the centre of yes. always, yep. always. Um, and you know, I can then fairly quickly start to see them feel better, then that's where I'm going to start, you know. But there, there's, there are contributing factors that will play in that need to be addressed outside of gut health and insulin resistance. Um, liver, I mentioned as well. Yep. Thyroid can often um, play a role. Um, like I said, inflammation. Um, and then I think that there's this big emotional piece that also really feeds in and that we're only really learning about now. And what's that? Well, it's another stress, isn't it, really? If we've got 
emotions that haven't ever been dealt with, oh, yes. they become something that often manifests in the body. And yes. for women um, especially, it's usually, you know, some type of gynecological condition or thyroid, which is still a hormone, can be a hormone imbalance. I'm so glad you brought that up because I, um, when I'm not doing this, I do uh, voiceover work and I've done a lot of kind of training and act training and stuff over the years. And I've always found it really interesting that people's voices are just essentially part of them that they take for granted. Most people just open their mouth, have an idea, and it comes out as words. There's very little thought put in beyond that, right? Totally. But so much of your voice is attached to your sense of self and who you are. And any kind of traumatic experience you've been through or any emotional kind of stuff you're hanging on to can manifest in the way you speak as well, Mm. which I think is so interesting Mm. that... You know, our body just kind of goes into protection mode. And so, like, from that point of view, it's 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 the way you, you speak. But you're saying that if your body's going into protection mode, it can be then the stresses uh, manifest in, like, yep. you know, PCOS Absolutely. or... So it's just, because at the end of the day, it is. It's just another stress. But I think we set aside um, the mental and emotional from the physical yeah. and they're not separate entities. No. But we see them as being separate. And so Chinese medicine very much subscribes to the fact that any condition is 50% emotional and 50% physical. Yeah. Um, so looking at that piece as well, you know, often, and it's confronting because perhaps um, they have been abused or there's something that is very obvious and maybe something that's not. That's the hard mm. part. If it's something that's not obvious, well, how do you work that out? And I do talk a lot to my patients about their subconscious um, state of being because we don't know what we don't know. And 97% of our thoughts aren't unconscious. We and just, how do we people react to that though? Um. The patients that have done everything, and I see this all the time, they've ticked all of the boxes, but they're not any better. This is where it lies. Yep. So, well, I, you know, some are totally open and others look at me like I'm crazy. Do you give them the ooga booga warning? Sometimes I say this might come across (laughs) as completely woo woo, you know, like, but I mean, I think if you explain that uh, around the facts of, you know, like I just said, things are physical and emotional, yeah. then that makes sense. That's not really woo-woo. It's just that we're not taught how to deal with this. So how can we start to have that conversation? You know, what yeah. do we need to do to better um, manage our emotions? And it can be really random things that you don't even know that you're thinking on a daily basis. Um, and I really love the work of, of looking at the subconscious. It's not something that's mainstream, but yeah. it's becoming more and more so. Traditional therapy, don't get me wrong, I think that that can be excellent, but I feel like often it's just talking around the same problems and not actually progressing past yep. what what's actually going on. So I think we do need to download and I think we need to be able to do that. But this mm. really taps into, um, you know, like I said, a, a, an area of our brain that we're not privileged to most of the time. Monkey brains. Totally. Yep. But, I mean, if you're constantly repeating a story that, you don't even know you're repeating, it's stressful for you, especially if you're not looking at yourself in a positive way. So lots of people have different stories around all sorts of things, whether it's, you know, um, their worth or what their parents think of them or how much money they have or there's so many things that play into that. But it's definitely a big factor when it comes to hormone imbalance. Wow. So obviously with you saying that, then you can't treat PCOS as a one size fits all. No, but there are certainly some physical things that 
if you have PCOS can make a massive difference that aren't harmful yep. um, that you can start to introduce. Um, the the medical treatment for PCOS is pretty average. Yep. Um, sometimes patients will be prescribed a drug called metformin, um, which is, you know, basically helps with insulin resistance yep. or regulating insulin better within the body. Um, like all medications, the problem with that is that if you're not looking after your gut whilst you're taking uh, it, it okay. actually just contributes yes. to the problem. Yep. Um, and so, and the side effects of metformin are fairly nasty. Mm. Um, and often, did I mention weight gain as a symptom? I don't think yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah, I think you did. So yep. often women who are overweight, see the thing is if you have PCOS, weight gain and managing weight can be very difficult yep. because of this insulin resistance and gut issue. So it's one of those things where it doesn't matter how little you eat, your body just hangs on to the weight because um, it's not processing it. Yes and no. I think that there are ways that it can be addressed, um, definitely. But often these women crave, you know, yeah, sugar yeah. Um, because of the insulin resistance as well and, and, the, and the poor gut health. And if they've got um, average gut bacteria, they're going to crave it as well and it, that can be contributing. So we know metformin is one drug that sometimes is prescribed for weight loss because we know that if we can get the weight down, often the PCOS symptoms dissipate right. or, or reduce at least, yeah. um, and which is why that's prescribed. But I think it's a little bit, um, unfortunately, the side effects are not great for a lot of women and they feel quite unwell whilst they take it. Um, diet is a big piece as well and we yep. know this. And, Food and is medicine. Absolutely. But from a from a medical viewpoint that most doctors will support that. Yep. Um, low GI, more of a paleo style diet is better. Um, again, it's just removing the inflammatory foods, the sugar, the gluten, the dairy. Um, oh, before you move on... Are gluten and dairy inflammatory for everybody or only if you have a sensitivity? No, they are inflammatory foods for everybody. It just depends on how sensitive your body is as to um, the impact that it has, but it always has an inflammatory response. That's just the nature of those foods. (sighs) According to... It's too hard to eat. Yeah, no. But that doesn't mean you can't have it. (laughs) It just means that certain people can tolerate more or less before they actually can feel the effects of that. Okay, yep. Yeah. I don't know many people that eat... Um, you know, if they were to eat a lot of bread, wouldn't feel bloated. I think most people yeah, would. I think yeah. most people recognise it makes them feel yep. rather average. Well, it fills them up, but that's the side effect. That, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. So diet's a, big, diet's a big part of that. Um, and then... You know, I want to look further. If I my patients, um, they're sorry, they're the two medical um, approaches that are wildly accepted to be yep. effective. Um, I always want to look. Obviously, we said gut health. Um, one of the best things women can do to help to manage their hormones better is increase fibre. Dietary fibre is fabulous for regulating hormones and moving out excess hormones. Um, so that's something I definitely is safe to do. You're not, you kind of can't overdose on that. No. Um, one of my most favourite things in the clinic now, and you're not going to be surprised by this, is intermittent fasting. Uh-huh. Women with PCOS who fast, I find I can generally get them off most of their supplements. Um and that's because your cells are more sensitive to insulin after a period of fasting. Ah. So whilst they can't necessarily um, regulate the insulin very well when they're constantly feeding their body, when they have this period of rest, the cells then are, are more sensitive to that. And that helps to take away a big piece of the issue. Um, so I, I recommend for my patients to intermittent fast and I have... N- not yet had someone that hasn't responded well to that. Fantastic. So that's been an excellent discovery. I hope they're doing that one overnight where you don't have to do the two days yes. without. No, I always en- encourage overnight fasting, so 16 hours overnight, yep. eight hours in the day of eating, which is not 
ridiculous. No, not that no, difficult. Not at all. No. I think the biggest thing is that we keep eating after dinner and I think that's where for a lot of people mm. that's their downfall. So um, fasting is just uh, quite and, honestly one and of the... And not just jumping out of bed and making correct. a bit of toast yeah, in the morning. Absolutely. You know, like, because that's really habit. Absolutely. Most of the time you don't want that bit of toast. You just get up and make yeah. a cup of tea and a bit of toast to Definitely. get your day on the way. So I find that is extremely, yeah, extremely effective and a real game changer and I've been pretty much anyone that comes in, I try and get them onto that. Yep. Otherwise, they do need to take a range of supplements, which is not my favourite thing to do. I'd rather treat things through lifestyle yeah, yeah, if I can. <laughs> well, I think it's most effective. And what we've also got to remember is for all the time that we're not eating, our gut is responsible for a lot of other functions, mm. our immunity, making other hormones, you know, dopamine, serotonin. They're all made in the gut. They're not made in the brain. I um, mean, if we can't make these um, chemical messengers or hormones, then we feel pretty average as well. Mm. So there's a lot of benefits to it outside of PCOS. Um, but yeah, that definitely for someone that has it, it's a very good step in the right direction and it's very safe. There's no harm in it. No. You're still eating for eight hours of the day. Well, and also I love your idea of adding more fibre. Just go and buy some all brand and there you go. Okay. Get started on that. Munch on that throughout the day. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so you really are looking at regulating your insulin, reducing inflammation, um, improving gut health, regulating the liver. Um, they're really safe things for anyone to do. Yep. It's not going to put anyone at risk of anything. Um, and that's where I'd get people to start. And then once they've done that, then look at what we're left with. Is there another factor? Do we need to look at the stress piece? Is it your adrenals? Is it your thyroid? Yep. Um, you know, where else can we actually drill down? And really, I have patients that we get them to regular cycles and very often go on to have babies. And that's the other thing too. A lot of women who have hormone imbalance pre-children don't mm. seem to have the the issues aren't as bad post-children. Oh, so right, because it's depends. reset the clock. Kind of. So I guess... Um, I would go back to the beginning and say, well, why do you need treatment? But really, you've just identified all that with if you're trying to have a baby and you've got these irregular cycles or you're only ovulating a couple of times a year or... But it sounds like you would be feeling pretty average with PCOS in general. Is that right? Yeah, you'd know if you had PCOS, yeah, yeah. I think, and yeah. you'd, or you'd be looking into it. And nowadays it's not... Like I said... In the past, I think the problem has been that a 16-year-old that didn't have a regular period would be put on the pill and then 20 years later decide they want to have children, come off the pill and go, oh, my goodness, I actually have polycystic ovarian syndrome and always have had and and haven't done anything to address it. And it's often 10 times worse if we haven't done anything because, you know, the liver function is probably worse, um, the gut would be worse. Everything is amplified by being A, on medication, but B, not addressing it. So, again, if that's your choice, that's fine, but how can we support your body whilst you do that and yep. really identify the root cause, not just treat the symptoms. Oh, I love it. I feel smarter. I love hanging around with you. Oh, you're welcome. I feel smarter Excellent. afterwards. It's brilliant. Well, it's just good to, I think the idea of something like PCOS can sound really complex. Oh, it, And indeed. when you break it down, it's like, well, actually, there's a few key factors and there can be a few other little ones that, mm. you know, we see special cases of. Yeah. Um, but... That's really it's that's the that's the crux of it. Okay, so where can people find out more information? Oh, they can go to my website. Oh yeah, that's natkring, a good start. Um, I have a, a course on there, debunking ovulation. It goes through ah. those five steps and what to do and how to do it. Okay, um, so that could be useful for people. But um, there's a lot of information out there nowadays around mm. um, PCOS, and you know. 
twenty percent of women twenty percent of women of reproductive age yep. um, are said to have PCOS. So it is a real problem mm, that we need to address. That's interesting. Hey, um, I went down the rabbit hole. That's what I was trying to think of before. Down the rabbit hole. That's the mm-hmm. Alice in Wonderland thing, mm-hmm. where I started looking at some of your debunking, and then I got sent over to somewhere else and somewhere <laughs> else, and I ended up reading this post about someone going, "How do I identify th- uh, cervical mucus?" Oh, yes. And I went, "Okay." I- I think it's time to go to bed. No, it's, I think it's an important conversation. It is an I, important conversation. You know I'll tell you a funny story. When I, <laughs> I had my, a cup of tea. When I had my latest showreel <laughs> made, yeah. um, I sent it off to my talent manager and she said to me, can we just have more, less of the words cervical fluid throughout <laughs> your showreel? <laughs> I was like, well, that's all I talk about. No, but one thing I do want to mention can quickly, just yeah. on the back of that, that I didn't get to say. Yeah. The funny thing about PCOS is that it has withstood the test of time because women who have PCOS yeah. through periods of famine are the women that become fertile and the ah, ones that don't have PCOS yeah. are the ones that become infertile. So isn't that interesting? So then you PCOS sufferers, let's not call you sufferers, we'll call you warriors, the PCOS warriors are actually essential for the longevity of us, you know, as a species. So there is a, a yes. method to the genetic madness. There is a method to the genetic madness, absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah, there you go. Hey, thank you for doing that. That was... Um, Did I have a choice? No. <laughs> Cecilia's like, we're doing this. And I'm like, okay, Yep, babe. yep, that's right. Sometimes I have to boss you. You're bossy, so I have to yeah, boss you yeah, too. Yeah, yep. I can be bossy. Boss, boss you back. Totally. See, but that's okay because, you know, we're upfront about that. Yeah, Part of totally. the collective. You can boss us as well. Yes. Hey, please, um, if you've enjoyed listening to our series, our series is coming to a close really soon. Yes. But never fear. We'll be back. Series two is on yes. the way. And if you have any suggestions of anybody you would like to uh, hear as part of yeah. the Wellness Collective, please get in touch with us at um, your website. Go on, do it. W-W- you don't even need to say that anymore, Oh, natcringudis.com. Just natcringudis.com. <laughs> but you can put the Ws in front of it. Oh, that's old school. I know. So 90s. Yeah, sorry. That's all right. Hey, uh, thanks for joining us. As I said, uh, go and have a look at some other episodes of the Wellness Collective if you haven't already done so. And... Tell your friends, tell oh, your yeah. mum, tell your sister and your husband. Maybe he, not the husband. Well, he might like, like the what one about... What are you doing to me? We did have that great one about the building um, biologist yes. and the mould. Yes. I think that one was popular with the boys. very popular. I like that one. Yes. Uh, until next time. We hope you're feeling happier, healthier and better. 